Welcome to episode 65 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And so we realized after last week there was a whole bunch of news we just forgot yep. to talk about. You know, Chris, I think we're just, I'm going to say we're staying on brand. That's true. <laughs> just being really bad at this. Yeah. Yeah. We can't let people think that we're getting good at this because then we're going to uh, set expectations. No, luckily we've set them incredibly low and we still fail to hit that expectation. That's that's every week. You know, that's our tagline. <laughs> missing the low expectations. Tim talk, missing the low expectations. Consistently shitty. Yes. Um, but uh, there is some cool stuff to talk about, though. We, we missed like all the trailers. There's right. tons of trailers that are at this point now. It's like two weeks ago, but we didn't even talk about that. We'll, we'll briefly mention that. Yeah. There's um, one big news that I'm sure everyone yeah, knows I think, about. This yeah, the, the bulk of this will be dedicated to one particular news story because there's a lot to dissect there. But let's get through a few trailers real quick. So, uh, did you see Spider Man into the Spider Verse trailer? It looks so good. It looks really gorgeous. Yeah. I, I'm excited. That, is this getting a theatrical release? Yeah. Okay. I'm excited that we're finally getting like theatrical animated superhero films yeah i think you know i uh, i still feel like the less sony's involved with this sort of stuff the better and <laughs> this is like a purely a sony thing and it has nothing to do with the mcu mm-hmm. but that being said it looks really good it looks different i like that it's miles morales i love the style yeah i love the art style i love that we're getting like multiple spider-man in there like mm-hmm. peter parker i guess is going to be like a mentor figure for him yeah which can be interesting um yeah, I, like, I rewatched it today. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm very excited about it. I, I feel like for the longest time, I always said DC held the reins on the animated movies. Mm-hmm. But over the past couple of years, really fallen they, through. When they started doing like the one a year, uh, I feel like the quality dropped. The stories weren't as interesting. Well, no, because now they're just doing like one New 52 style story and then one kind of random thing. And even their random things haven't been very good recently. Right. And so I feel like it's time for Marvel to be like, hey, we know how to do this shit too. Yeah. Let's let's just up this up, you know, let's jump this up another level. And as confusing as it can be for like, we're just going to say normal people, like people who aren't super well-versed on this sort of stuff, that there are two different Spider-Man movies. It helps one that one's animated and the other's Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not. It helps differentiate. But also the kind of cool thing about this now is if it's not great we are still getting great versions of Spider-Man anyways. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, so it's like, oh, it's fine. Like, this can be a whole extra bonus thing. And if it's good, that's awesome. And if it's not, well, it's fine. We're still getting a really good version of Peter Parker in the MCU. Yeah. And I'm sure it will be because animated Spider-Man series have generally been... Series have usually been the best kind of animated stuff that Marvel puts out. Yeah, I remember the 90s one was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I remember there was one that was on, I want to say MTV, like between Spider-Man 1 and 2. I don't know that one. Yeah. It was it was okay. Like, I have it on DVD somewhere. And it's, like, the art style is kind of cool. It's like that weird, like, mostly CGI, but, like, meant to look kind of 2D oh, sort of thing. Oh, okay. This um, is interesting. Yeah, that was fine, and then but I've heard that like so what? I can remember that. Oh, that was okay. That's when you. Uh, that's when Neil Patrick Harris was Spider Man. That's right. Yeah. Yes. There, okay. There have been a few other Spider cartoons recently that I think have been pretty good as well. Right. The new animated series. Yeah. yeah um, Ultimate Spider Man, uh, which is the series oh, that I yeah. think just ended and now has been replaced with Spectacular Spider Man, which I also right. heard is pretty, is good. Yeah, I've heard good things. So. Um, but Ultimate was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, voiced by Drake Bell. Which, oh, that's was, right. which was always exciting for me. Yeah. He would have been, I think, at a certain point, a good Spider-Man. On oh, absolutely. Own. Yeah. Uh, too bad he did a live-action Fairly Odd Parents movie instead. Oh, yeah. Um, oh. I know. 
Uh, but yeah, oh, he was he was great as the voice actor, and then they did a great job introducing a lot of the side characters in that series. Oh, that's right. Uh, because it's it's like the Spider Team. Mm-hmm. So it's you know it's uh, um, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, um, Daredevil. Uh, no, no, oh, that would be um, cool. Uh, oh my God, who? Uh, where's the Nova? Webb. Nova. Like oh, he has the helmet. Now. Uh, Nova Morbius. and White Tiger okay. are the core team, all kind of like, they're setting themselves up to be the next event, like the next, the new Avengers. Oh, okay. Because uh, they're all working under Fury. Oh, yeah, because Fury's in that, right? Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things that I loved about the Ultimate Spider-Man comic, was it introduced Nick Fury, and he's like, hey, kid, once you're 18, you're mine. Yeah. And I actually didn't read far enough to see how that panned out. But I've actually heard that that series continued to be really good, because I think Bendis stayed on all the way through, right? Okay. Uh, Why am I sure. asking you, Trevor? Tre- <laughs> Fuck hey he's, guys, he's not here. Um, <laughs> Thanks for having me back on. <laughs> we need him here for these sort of questions. I, I don't know. know any of this sort of shit. Or Frank. Yeah, or, or anyone. Or that's Amanda. Not us. Or Chris, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask them on Monday. Um, um, yeah, but I know I'm. I'm excited about it though. I mean, this can be not quite in the same vein, but it's kind of like our Lego Batman, where it's like, okay, cool, we get its own separate thing. It's be fun, mm-hmm. enjoyable. Yeah. Um, did you see the Batman Ninja trailer? Oh, is that the anime? Yeah. Oh, yes. I rewatched it again today. Sh- okay. I feel like I should enjoy anime, and I just I can't. You should. I, I know. I want you to watch something, My Hero Academia. Something about it. it just I, I can't connect with it somehow. It's some combination of the, the art style of the... I mean, because I, I watch stuff in foreign language all the time. Oh, that but, was my question. Do, do you watch I, foreign films? It's, it's, I think it has something to do with the art style being its own different thing. The is it that the sp- melodrama? The the fact that it's in different language. I don't know. There's somehow I cannot quite get into it. Okay, I I still I I still feel like. My hero or Hiroaka yeah. is going to be your. That's going to be your entry. Well, I feel point. like what I should do is sit down and watch like a Miyazaki film, which I've actually never seen any of them. Oh, I have all of them. If okay, you yeah, I should probably I should watch them at some point. I feel like if I get into one of those movies, maybe I can start to get because I wish I. I honestly wish I was more into this sort of stuff than I am. It's a whole aspect of nerddom that just escapes me entirely, and mm-hmm. I, I want to be a part of it, but I just. Well, I feel like. Uh, this is not a, a, a me making fun of your age. You probably I, should. Uh, you old man. <laughs> go go watch Speed Racer and Astro Boy. Uh, I don't know, the first two anime that came into America. I know what both those things are. <laughs> I've known you for a while now. Um, I feel like you were just out, like you were just yeah. out of the age bracket when anime hit like Cartoon Network. Oh yeah, and sci-fi. Like you, you just missed the tsunami phase. Of yeah, no, it's absolutely Dragon true. Ball, like I think the, the closest thing to anime that I've ever been um, into was Teen Titans, and that's its own. Even then, that's its own thing. Mm-hmm. It just takes a lot of inspiration from that. Right. Yeah. Teen Titans and Avatar Never are, are like Avatar. The... Oh, God, I know. you know this. Uh, you <laughs> know, I just I put it out of my mind every time because I don't want to <laughs> believe it. You just black it out every time you possibly. I can. don't want to believe it. I mean, it's it's all off of Amazon now at this point, right? Uh, yes. I'll, I'll sit down and watch it at some point. You should. I have all of it. I know, I know you have all of it. You have all of everything. Um, yeah. I mean, look, I, we're going to watch it. Yes. I feel like we should watch it and have Shane on. Yeah. Shane, Shane, Shane loves anime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we should have him on. No, I'm talking about Bat- oh, yeah. Batman Ninja. Not, oh, yeah, yeah. We're not going to do a digression where we watch all of <laughs> fucking Avatar and Legend of Korra. We have enough to get through as uh, it is. Did you ever watch Cartoon Network put out a series of shorts i want to say it's either called batman in shanghai or shanghai batman 
You sent that to me. I okay. fucking loved it. Yes. So that's what I kind of expect this to be. Yeah. Uh, I think I plugged it a few months ago. Yeah, I remember, yeah, because I, I remember watching it. Mm-hmm. I, I think part of it for me is the melodrama, too. Like, even watching this, like, I even kind of like the designs. There's also a lot of Batman characters in this. Like, when I rewatch mm-hmm. it, there's a, like, everyone yeah. is in it. Um, so I feel like from a design perspective, I probably really appreciate it. But I know, it just, it's a little too heightened okay. for me. I don't know. Okay. I'll give it oh, a yeah. shot. I'll give it a shot. I was going to say, no, I was, no I, was, I was going through the Rolodex of anime. of just like, what is the most overly heightened anime that I watch? Like every sports every anime is so wonderfully over the top. I, and here I thought you were sitting there trying to find a way to criticize me without just calling me racist. No. Oh, no, not at all. I, I understand people have different tastes and stuff. And I understand yeah. anime is not for everyone. Especially um, the, like if you're not into the, the kind of melodrama of it, then yeah, the melodrama, uh, I was trying I, to find... Because like obviously, One Punch Man is the one that makes fun of all of the melodrama. But that might work for me then. Because mm-hmm. if it's smart and subversive of the melodrama, then I might enjoy it. I should actually watch One Punch Man because I feel like I'd really like that. Well, I'm also curious how you would take it having not seen what it's making fun of. Because like, yes, it, it's loosely making fun of the American superheroes, but it's it's a much more it's a bigger parody on Japanese hero antics. Oh, and how yeah, it might be a little lost on me. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a few other shows that I've been meaning to watch that have uh, that same kind of uh, parody about them. There's a show called Samurai Flamingo. Uh, Samurai Flamenco. C-O. Um, Big difference. Yeah. Um, Isn't the flamenco a dance? I think so. Okay. Um, I can look it up. I won't. But, but yeah, I've, I've heard that's another one that like that really kind of parodies that superhero okay. story. Well... We'll we'll sit down, we'll watch Ninja Batman, yes. and then we'll just add on an hour to the recording so you can talk about anime. I will. <laughs> you can just leave, not just talk. I'll just walk out the door, yeah. Yeah. I'll call I'll bring on my, my friends from back home who actually know anime. Well good. I'm glad you have some support because I, I got I'm, shit I'm for a you. surface level anime fan. Um one other trailer, Jurassic World. Yes. Two. Uh-huh. It's it's so sad. That's fine. I mean, okay, so everyone was like, oh, fuck, like, they've spoiled the ending. Apparently, that's one like, the first hour. So I guess that reveals none of the third act. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you talking about the part where all the dinosaurs run into the ocean? It made me so sad. <laughs> like, can they swim? I'm sure they can. But, like, they're off a cliff. How far do they have to swim to get to the beach? Do they have the kind of energy to get themselves there? Like, how many dinosaurs are going to die in this movie? I'm, unpre- I'm unprepared for this, Cameron. Are you? I am so... I uncaring about this franchise I, I, right now. I am so unprepared to be emotionally invested in a bunch of CGI dinosaurs and not emotionally invested at all in any of the human characters except for Jeff Goldblum, who's probably only going to be in for ten minutes. Oh yeah, he says his one line, and yeah, then he got it you, in there. You see him walk off yeah. the set like that's the only footage they could get of him. Just wanders off to go play the piano somewhere. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I want it to be good. I liked Jurassic World. I thought it was a fun ride. Mm-hmm. In the same way that I think like The Force Awakens was like a fun ride and just a rehash of A New Hope, Jurassic World was like a fun ride and a rehash of Jurassic Park for me mm-hmm. with like good moments, but overall kind of eh. So I, I, don't, don't, I don't like Chris Pratt's mustache. <laughs> it's a very specific critique. That's fine. But he pops up with that mustache in the Infinity War trailer too. I'm just like, have, have I'm you not, heard not the, the joke about that? No, what is that, it? Uh, that they put the mustache in because they knew about... Um, the mustache, mustache gate from Justice oh, League. Oh, from Justice League? I mean, yeah. I would love like, that. Our thing. heroes can have mustaches. <laughs> we don't mustache. care. I was, I was listening to a, a podcast interview with Henry Cavill, 
And so when the, at the time the interview was done, this is the Empire podcast, he couldn't confirm that he was in the movie. So the whole interview was like kind of playing with that. It's a really funny interview. But um, they asked him, like, well, if you happen to be in Justice League, um, we heard this thing about the, the mustache. What would you do? And his kind of joking reasoning was that the stuff he was doing in Mission Impossible was so intense that his own hair barely stayed on, much less like a, a fake mustache. <laughs> it's like, I will give him credit for being able to take that situation, like poke enough fun at it to like play it off. Yeah. He is very charming in interviews. Oh, um, yeah. He's way more charming in interviews than he is as Superman. As Superman, yeah. Like, I watch him as Superman. I'm like, I don't want you to be Superman. I listen to him talk about playing Superman. I'm like, I want you to play Superman. Can you just bring that into the movie? Yeah, and then just I would be, be Henry Cavill <laughs> yeah. as Superman. Don't be Superman. Yeah, so I don't know. Just be yourself, but now you can fly. <laughs> just take that and run with it. Maybe he can fly. I think he can. Oh, I awesome. think the movie Superman is to cover for him actually being <laughs> Superman. Be They're like, yeah, I'm going to do such a bad job at this that no one would ever believe. He's, they, he's doing the reverse Clark. They had to CGI off the mustache because when he tried the laser in the mirror thing, he realized it just destroyed the mirror and it right. didn't work. So he's like, fuck, what do I do now? Oh, uh, shit. Okay. Um, still more news to talk about real quick. Uh, did you see the confirmed slate from Warner Brothers films for the new, for all the DC movies that are coming out? I did not. That's okay. So I think I this probably is like should have looked up. Brazil Comic Con. So it's mm-hmm. a confirmed Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman 2, Flashpoint, Suicide Squad 2, Batgirl, Green Lantern Corps, The Batman, and Justice League Dark. God, God, all right. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's not in there. Like, there's no Justice League 2, there's no Cyborg. No Nightwing. Um, no Nightwing listed in there. No um, uh, Joker and Harley. No Harley solo film. No Gotham City Sirens. Mm-hmm. No Joker origin with Martin Scorsese. Mar- yeah. Um <clears throat> I mean, look, I'm intrigued by Aquaman as I am with Shazam. I'm hoping that Wonder Woman 2 will not have a terrible third act and can just be its own good movie. Yeah. I'm skeptical about Flashpoint. Don't give two shits about Suicide Squad 2. Nope. I'm a little hesitant. But it's going to introduce Black Adam. Oh, it should just be Because you know what that movie needed was more people. It was more more people just demanding screen time. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit hesitant about a Joss Whedon Batgirl now. Yeah. Not, because, not just because of Justice League, but because he, too, is also kind of a sex monster, and it just got kind of pushed under the rug, and no one's talking about it. <laughs> and I feel like we should be. Um, but exci- was, on, Quick side note about that. Yeah. Did you see the episode, or the, the, the website, um, rottenapples.com? No, is that... You type in a movie, and it will tell you if someone was, is, is in a sexual harassment scandal oh from that movie. Oh, my God. It's I'm- kind of funny. I'm looking this up <laughs> right now, uh, and I know exactly which movie I'm going to start with. I, I know it's going to get at least two hits. Uh, I the two movies that I looked up that I was very happy have no at the moment no no sex scandals uh, are uh, Roger Rabbit is clean. Oh, good. And Scott Pilgrim is clean. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Right. Thank God. I was very nervous about that one. Uh, I chose Superman Returns. I thought it was going to get two. I forgot about Marlon Brando. We got a, <laughs> we got a good three in there along with Kevin Spacey and Brian Singer. Yeah. What a movie. Oh, oh, okay. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, the lineup. Oh, the lineup. DC. Look, half these probably wouldn't have getting made. I will say what I always say. I want them to be good. I'm just hesitant. Yep. So, but the more that they let their creators actually make their own movies and the less that they're trying to make them just really generic and palatable and shoehorn and stuff, I think it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I am curious kind of leading into the next topic 
mm-hmm. um, how if the uh, the Disney Fox buyout will affect how Warner Brothers makes their movies because now mm. it's kind of less competitors, but it's a bigger single competitor. Um, will they confor- will they confirm about conform more now that kind of all superhero movies are made on? I mean, minus the Venom movie, but all superhero movies are going to have kind of the Marvel, yeah. the Disney touch on top of them now. That's I don't know. That's a good question. I actually hadn't thought about. Um, the effects this would have on DC because there's so much to go through just in terms of D, uh, Disney and Fox alone. Mm-hmm. I think hmm, it might uh, it might make them more desperate, which is bad because they've already been very clearly desperate up to this yeah. point. I think what's going to be interesting is the slate of comic book films is going to shrink now. Okay. I think that's going to be one of the big things because you think about it... Um. Marvel, like even with Spider-Man Homecoming coming out, they rearranged the schedule to kind of fit that in there, but that became part of their like official run, right? Right. So that's part of their slate. Now, if they have to start including like the, what were Fox properties, they're going to be much more selective about what they put out there. So there's not going to be now a, we'll call it like a third major studio making comic book movies. It's just going to be two. Mm Mm-hmm. What will DC do? Actually, here's where it might be good for them. They might now take more risks. I hope so. Because that was one thing that I read um, from Mark Millar. So his response to this. So obviously we're, we're talking about the fact that Disney has started the process of buying up Fox. Like it's officially announced. It's probably like a year for it all to come through. Mm-hmm. But they're buying Fox. And billion dollars well so there is something to think about so can you look at like when disney bought marvel it was four billion mm-hmm. when they bought star wars it was 4.4 billion mm-hmm. both those seem low however one thing to consider with fox it's not it's it's everything fox except for fox news and and some of fox sports and some of fox sports and not fox the channel because they're legally not allowed to own two networks mm-hmm. but it's so it's Obviously, any properties... Actually, okay, I have a whole list. Yeah, yeah, I also have a list. It's insane. That it's, okay, so it's a whole list of franchises, obviously including X-Men, including Fantastic Four, um, Kingsman, Alien, Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. Avatar. Yep. Um, oh, God, where... Don't forget about their most famous animated series. Animated the movie, Simpsons. movie series. Oh, which one? Ice Age. Oh, my God, Ice Age. <laughs> Uh, fucking Independence Day, Die Hard, The Simpsons, Family Guy, The X-Files, Buffy, Predator, obviously everything, X-Men, Goosebumps. Most um, of the Wes Anderson films. Futurama, mm-hmm. Home Alone, like, MASH. Oh, good. The, the Omen, The Peanuts. Like, so they have all of that, but then also all of Fox's back catalog. And that actually is a huge moneymaker for studios. They make so much fucking money off their archives. Mm-hmm. So that's, part, I think, part of the, what they're getting. I think, I mean, you probably have to factor in, like, their actual studio lot as well into that. Yeah. But it's it's absolutely, it's a crazy. Like, I mean, what do you think about this? I, I, so I remember when I read the news, I woke up uh, Friday morning, I saw the news, and I was mm-hmm. very excited. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Disney is getting more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The more I looked into it, the kind of the scarier it seemed to me of how... Disney, like as much as I love Disney, as I'm wearing a Disney hat, a Disney shirt, Jesus and my Christ. room is full of Disney. Yeah, 
it, it is very scary having one studio have a hand in everything. And yes, yeah. like I understand that they have a lot of subsidiaries <clears throat> that they're going to like push things around. Cause I had to talk with my mom last night about um, how they're going to handle more of their adult content. Cause mm-hmm. now they also own FX. Yeah. Uh, that means Which, Archer, well, and, Always Sunny. Yeah. And, and Fox and FX have thrived off the fact that they take risks. Like mm-hmm. I remember reading an article once a while ago talking about, um, Firefly specifically and like everyone like bitches and moans about the fact that it got canceled which sure is sad but also every other network passed on it like Fox cancels a lot of stuff but they take risks on things other places wouldn't yeah I think that's fair of their movie slates like Michael Gregory what is Michael <laughs> Gregory like what I had to get one obscure one Mike, in there man you were just on point with your really obscure references I think that's what it was called like I know some really obscure shit and you were just going oh, that's, crazy wait, that's on not this. the name of the show no 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 what, what's the name of the show what um, it is uh, it was the Jonah Hill animated series oh, Alan Gregory Alan Gre- I forgot about that good entirely I think most people did it's a good thing I think he it was wanted bad. to forget about it it was really bad well hey Disney's got that now so we can get that, that Alan Gregory revival we've oh, all been I can't demanding. wait for the ride to come into Disneyland oh my god <laughs> but it, I mean it it's just Jonah Hill sitting there talking about all his yeah. mistakes in life but you know like one of the downsides to all this is um, at the end of the day now Disney is going to have a decision as to whether Fox greenlights projects or not. And mm-hmm. they have to decide for themselves what that impact is going to be. And so there is going to get less stuff is going to get made. Yes. Which is sad. It is kind of sad. I also want to play devil's advocate to that point of since there's less competition, especially in theaters now, since Disney now owns 80% of theaters. Um, and really strong earns them too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would like to think that that means that they will be more open to trying new things because they know they will have a slot in theaters. I know it probably it'll probably take a couple years for this like this block this like billion dollar blockbuster bubble to pop. Like maybe maybe, but at the same time, they don't. They're never going to want to compete with themselves. That's true, right? So let's say. They have, I mean, so there's 52 weekends a year. Let's say that they're planning on releasing movies across 50 of those weekends. Mm-hmm. I mean, Disney has the the bandwidth to do 50 movies out of their slate, and there's a little bit of cross um, or uh, counter programming going on there. But now, like Disney's not going to put up a Pixar against a Star Wars against a Marvel against a Fox. Oh yeah, Marvel. Like, I mean, those are unique like movies, though. I'm talking like. In the late '80s, when Disney was just kind of churning out a bunch, uh, how did how did they put it? Um, Eisner said they were um, uh, single, no, like uh, doubles and triples. He wasn't going for a home run movie. He was just getting movies that he knew would make make some money. So we got uh, Rocketeer, we got yeah. Three Men and a Baby, but uh, we got Rookie uh, Rookie of the Year. But no one makes those movies, and Disney hasn't made those movies. Since the 80s, I know. Yeah, I don't think they're going to start doing it now. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. what they're doing right here is they're buying more sure things. Yeah. So. What I, what I really want to change the genre, we're getting super off topic with this at this point. I mean, this is a big topic, though. Yeah. Um, is with the rise of, I think, as we put it, the, the big budget indies, A24 stuff, mm-hmm. Fox Spotlight, which is now Disney Spotlight. Fuck. You mean Searchlight? Searchlight, thank you. Yeah. Uh, who is uh, Sony has their Sony Pictures Classics. Thank you. Um, 
with the rise of those, I really want, because those are the risky movies. And yeah. I want those to have enough recognition from the big studios to be like, oh, we can still make these movies that don't have to cost $100 million. Well, um, what's, what's been interesting in that space is you, you specifically mentioned like A24 or um, Annapurna does a lot of this too. Like they're one of the few production companies out there that will make interesting films for like low budget like really low budget things because even the even the the indie branches of all the major studios so you're talking well not anymore like miramax but fox <laughs> searchlight for miramax i know you're talking um yeah like sony pictures classic that sort of thing at the end of the day they're still getting greenlit by the the heads of sony and the heads of fox and That's stuff true. and so the only movies that are getting made by those indie branches are um their oscarbation films Mm-hmm. I've probably used that term on the podcast before. I've right? never heard that term. You never heard me talk about it. So people talk like an Oscar Beatty film. Oh, like okay. so it's, it's Beatty and Oscar. I add the the Asian on the end of it because I find a lot of them be pretty masturbatory because mm-hmm. it's just like, all right, we're gonna take this like real life tragic struggling story. We're going to um, give this is where I'm getting a little social justice warrior some like straight white male actor a chance to play something slightly off t- like off brand for himself mm-hmm. and it's going to be like oh the whole thing is like how it's like so daring for this person to do that sort of thing um you know like the sort of movies they made fun of in Tropic Thunder yeah yeah like i think what like John Voight was blind and like Tom Hanks is in a wheelchair it's like it's their efforts to try and just put out something that's just clearly meant to just bring in oscars and mm-hmm. it's not daring or interesting yeah i know i don't know it's it's a weird world and i want to bring up streaming to be another kind of branch of like that that's another avenue but then that also leads into i'm sure you saw this disney now owns 60 percent of hulu yeah which is a big deal. That is a big deal. You can just tell how exhausted I am already. Well, I mean, thinking about the grand scale, the yeah, grand so, I mean, size of this thing. They were already positioning themselves to compete with Netflix by pulling their content from Netflix and announcing their own streaming service. Right, which is still going through. They which still, still haven't confirmed for 2019. Yeah, and so I imagine that the the Disney streaming service will still probably be like really Disney focused branding. Like I don't think we're gonna see Fox specific stuff. Like pop up. Oh on no! Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it'll st- still just be Disney. Yeah, because they still want to do. They still want to, you know, do something with Hulu. But I did read something that pointed out one thing they can also do now is they can kind of strong arm other studios mm-hmm. with stuff with Hulu. So like, if they have controlling share of Hulu, then they can be like, okay, Warner Brothers, like if you want to have your stuff on here, then you can't put it on Netflix. Right. And then Netflix is now like spending so much money to do their original content. But even for me now at this point, like. I don't actually care that much about a lot of their original content because they do so much stuff mm-hmm. that their brand is diluted. Honestly, like, I feel like the only original series is like the original Netflix stuff that I watch now is just stand-up specials. Yeah. They've and kind of cornered that they've market. Cornered that, and, which I, is great. and I love it. And yeah. that's all I kind of use it for right now. Yeah, but you know, there was a period there where I'm like, oh, like Netflix has a new show. Like I'll watch that. Yeah. Because they do really good stuff. And now it's like, oh, Netflix is dropping five new shows this month. And one of them's like a stoner comedy with a laugh track starring Kathy Bates. I love Kathy Bates. I watched like five minutes of it when my roommate had it on. I fucking hate it. Is that the Just Baked show? Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. And they have like a weird like branded storefront right there on Santa Monica Boulevard right by my apartment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've never, I don't know if it's an actual dispenser or not. I don't fucking know. It doesn't Uh. matter. But like the show was horrible. It was like really obvious shitty sets. Who still uses a fucking laugh track? 
Uh, I don't want to get into it. The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I was going to say Big Bang Theory. <laughs> the Big Bang Theory. Okay, we, we've been talking about this a lot. We haven't even talked about the fact that uh, Marvel Studios now is going to have the mutants. Yes. Huge thing. Fuck the Inhumans. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. We're so, finally getting mutants. I mean, thank god the Inhumans they are They tried dead. so hard to make yeah. the Inhumans thing work. So, so we know that all the 2018 Fox films are still going to come out. So right. Dark Phoenix, Deadpool 2, and New Mutants are all going to come out. <clears throat> right. It becomes what happens after that. Yes. Um, pretty much every article I've read just across the board, like, oh, Gambit's not going to happen. I don't know if there's anything to prove that's not going to happen. It probably won't happen. Um, I mean, this is good. Right? I just, I am so curious, because this is another point I brought up to my mom. Uh, Disney is very good about kind of hiding their name when it comes to more adult-friendly things. Like in the 90s, they had Buena Vista Pictures yeah, uh, to kind of cover up all of their more PG-13 R-rated movies. Did they release anything R-rated on Buena Vista? I was talking to someone else about this. I couldn't, maybe it was you, uh, actually. I couldn't remember. I, I don't think it was me. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can't keep track anymore. Um, I can't keep track of our on-air conversations and right. on-air conversations. That's why, much, we, that's why I just try and not just talk to you yeah. when we're not on air. On oh, air. that's why. Yes. Oh. It's not because I don't like you. I mean, it's also that, too. <laughs> it's, it's also it's because also. I don't like you. Um, but what are they, like, with Deadpool? And Ryan Reynolds actually came out in spoke about this for a brief minute on Twitter, mm-hmm. being like, what is going to happen to my movie yeah. once it gets Disney-fied? Like, are they going to... Because like, I feel like even if they make a new branch for superhero films, would it still be close enough to Disney for them to be able to put an R rating on a Disney film? Yeah, I don't... I don't know, you know, because you think about um, on Netflix, all the Marvel stuff there, that's all... R-rated, or like it would be listed as like TVMA. Yeah. And that all happened after the Disney deal anyways. And so, the Disney logo is nowhere to be seen. Well, but the Disney logo is also nowhere to be seen on um, any of the Marvel films either. I think maybe the end it might say At dis- the end, distributed yeah. by Disney. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the Netflix shows because it's not distributed by Disney. It's distributed by Netflix technically. Um yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I imagine the Deadpool two will still be what it is. Yeah, now. I feel like it's too far in for anything to change. But I feel like if they were trying to do an X Factor as a Deadpool three, I feel like that's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like I imagine they're basically like let these three movies come out and then we're going to reboot all of it. And I feel like Deadpool is going to be the one sacrifice on there that's really going to burn. That's really going to suck. I'm like, I'm fine with. I would rather have MCU absorb the X Men reintroduce them as much as I love Hugh Jackman. This is the perfect opportunity to recast Wolverine mm-hmm. because the MCU cachet is enough to have a recast. Yeah. Like they can carry them through on that. I don't give two shits about new mutants. No. So do but, you think after five attempts, do you think Marvel will be able to figure out fantastic four? Yeah. Okay. I think they can. No, I, I legitimately think they can. I think the world is already set up for them. I think it is. I think that Fantastic Four needs the tone of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to slip them in kind of the way they do with Spider-Man yeah. as well. Like I feel like all these major reintroductions are going to happen as part of something else. Yeah, and especially after Infinity War, we're going to get a lot... We're going to get really into the space travel side of Marvel. Yeah. And in the comics, that's always been 
uh, the Fantastic yeah. Four's area. Yeah, so like that's Reed Richards' specialty. Yeah, so we're probably gonna get Galactus. But that's how do you do Galactus after having done Thanos? Like, I don't know. You know, I don't, how do you do anything after Thanos? Do, do, are they gonna like change the plans for the fourth Avengers movie to include mutants or to include the Fantastic Four or Doctor Doom? Like, I don't know. That's what I'm very excited for. Uh, is I think I hope with this merger. And just honestly, just with Doctor Doom, I hope Marvel figures out how to write a villain again. Yeah, because Doom is the Marvel villain. Like, like yes, you have all your galactic villains. You have Galactus. You have Thanos. Um, you have uh, the guy who's a who's just a head uh, in a gold suit. Uh, oh, um, mo- more not. It's not Morbo. It's not Mobius. <laughs> Modok, Mo- yeah, uh, Modok, Mordok, whatever, I think whatever. Modok, yeah, because um, it's like one of those weird acronyms. Like, of they course, just, like, they forced it to work. Um, and you have those guys that are huge players, obviously. Yeah, but like Doom is the Marvel villain. Yeah, he controls every. Like he he is the Lex Luthor of Marvel, but yeah. bigger than Lex Luthor. Yeah, I I, you know. It's, he's such a big villain that they don't like try and go after him anymore. No, they're just like, he's just, like doing his thing. He had like we just be. gave him a country yeah, he's got to Latveria. keep him quiet. <laughs> That's the kind of villain that he is, and I just want them to figure it out. I know. I Give think, him Latvia. <laughs> it's gonna be very, very interesting mm-hmm. to see what happens now. I think it. As Marvel fans, this is great news. I think in almost every other aspect is probably not. I know. <sighs> but we've we've been talking about this for what, 20 minutes now. I'll probably cut out some stuff. No, it's it's all it's all good stuff. Um yeah, so we should probably get around to talking about mm-hmm. what we're here to talk about. Oh, I did have one more point. It's not like new news. It's okay. just like a, a quick one minute, one sentence thing. Okay. I, I think I brought this up to you already. Um it's a, it's a Disney thing and I learned um why Marvel Land is only happening at Disneyland. Did I talk to you about this? No. Uh, so in the 90s, when Di- uh, when Marvel was selling off their property, mm-hmm. there was a big fight between Disney and Universal to for uh, Marvel at their parks. Yeah, that's why Universal had it for such a long time. Yes. So what I found out is uh, Marvel split the contract based off the Mississippi. So anything west of the Mississippi, Disney owns it in their parks, and anything west or anything east, Universal owns it, which is why Universal Florida, there's already a Thor and a Captain America and a a Spider-Man thing. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, and I'm curious how that's going to play into the global Disney parks, Paris, Shanghai, Tokyo. they already have like an Iron Man ride at Disney Shanghai? Sure. It's one. It's one of the Chinese Disney parks. Already okay. has an Iron Man ride. It's probably Hong Kong because yeah. Shanghai has the um, the Tron ride. It does, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Which apparently is like the best ride wanna, in any I, Disney I park ever. I want to go on it so bad. I know. I really want to go. God damn it. I know. Yeah. Uh, but that, that was that's just like my one little fact. Oh, that is, I learned that. that, is really that. Interesting. I learned that okay, that man. Oh, like that's gonna make sense. Yeah. yeah. So that's why we're getting. Oh, that also means that uh, the Tower of Terror will continue to be the Tower of Terror. I imagine. Out yes. in Hollywood Studios. I don't know. I always mm-hmm. want to call it MGM Studios because I mean what, that's what it. Yeah. That's what it was when I was a kid. Yeah, it's still MGM Studios to me. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. Okay. Okay. Let's Superman. talk about Superman and Batman. I really like the first half of this Superman episode. <laughs> I was content with this episode. Like, so what? I, what I liked about it, and I, I remember watching this one 
Like this was one of the ones that I always remember watching as a kid. And what I like about it is the, the first part of especially, it plays out like a film noir story. Like oh, Superman yeah. has voiceover narration. And I know that they were going for like a noir sort of thing, but that's also inherent to comics. Yeah. Like I, I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I just reread like the, the Superman Batman comics where it has both of their like internal monologues going simultaneously. And it's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all written by Jeff Loeb. That's part of the reason. But I liked that here. Like I liked that Superman was kind of walking us through the events like as he's dead and like the whole mystery behind it. What, what did you think of the use of voiceover here? I was fine. I was I was happy with the change of pace. Mm-hmm. I think we had the same conversation um, in that Batman episode. Oh yeah, which early Batman on. episode had voiceover in it? It was um, the one where it was the the three uh, the three stories. Oh the oh yeah um, POV. Yes, the the like episode five. It's really say. early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it was the Montoya Bullock Bullock random guy Cadet Jones. Yeah, fuck I don't know. Uh, and it it was kind of the same story too. Yeah, it kind of was similar a little bit. Yeah, I, uh, I... I liked the change of pace. I liked it as well. Did you like that we finally got a, or at least for a bit, a Clark-focused story? Until he blew up? Until he yes. Because, I mean, he was really being a reporter. Like, yes, to the, to the finally. Point, to the point where I had a moment like, shouldn't he be Supermaning? Like, he spent all night, like, reading through this police report. Like, there must have been some crises going on. Did he just, like, zip out? He even made the point back? when he's driving the evidence. He's like, I could fly it over... But then that might expose my identity. Yeah. Or even when he is believed dead and like they, his mom gets the call. and like, I love that part. Well, like, they're like, oh, yeah. Like, oh, I guess you just can't be Clark anymore. It's like, but I am Clark. Yeah. Like, it, it, this might be the one time in this whole series we've seen why it's important to him that he also gets to be Clark. Mm-hmm. But we also see the, the reason that he is Superman is he was willing to give up his secret identity for this one person. Yeah. Like he he said like if this plan doesn't go through I will personally deliver this to the mayor and if he asks why I have it I'm just gonna tell him yeah it this is like I think some of the most character we've gotten out of him mm-hmm. this entire time which I think then for me was a little bit disappointing when the plot started to converge and it got to the end and just became another like generic battle of him against like this armored helicopter because mm-hmm. it had to be that like. It felt like this is a character-heavy story until they had to bring in some action beats. I was going to say, this is, like, we always bring up that they always, they end up having Superman fight another big bad thing. Yeah. And for the most part, yeah, that didn't happen until the last, like, three minutes. Which I I liked. I liked, we we got some real stuff from Lois Mm -hmm. in this as well. Like, she's actually going off reporting. Like, what I love, too, is that she was upset that Clark died in the right kind of way. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, oh, my God, like, I had all these, like, hidden passions, feelings for him. She's like, no, she just liked him. Yeah, like, he was a great friend and didn't tell him that enough. Yeah, and I really liked that moment between them. And, like, even Superman is standing there being like, what the fuck do I do with this? Yeah. You can tell he's like, oh. Thank you. I'll, uh, I'll tell him. <laughs> I'll, I'll pass that along. I'll, I'll slip him a note in class. Yeah. Um, and then the ending I loved. But we'll, we'll save that for a second. Um, the... That was another point I was going to bring up about, um, oh, I was going to make fun of Justice League. <laughs> You're like, oh, you mean Lois didn't like go and not report for a year after oh, just, Clark dies? And just give up on it entirely? Yeah. No, oh. I also had a, okay, I guess we should say in this episode, like. Oh, Clark blows Clark, up. Yeah, Clark, 
he is trying to prove that a, a man on death row is innocent, and he... he it's very 12 Angry Men style. It is, yeah. He, he tracks down, like, one last piece of evidence on a floppy disk. Maybe, maybe so happy. Very loose evidence, but, Man, you know, it worked. It worked, yeah. His pizza got delivered at the at exact the same, same time moment as the murder. But, hey, died, you know, yeah. it, it, it works, it works, whatever. Um, yeah, so it's on a floppy disk, and then uh, he's... His car is blown up, and he's not only presumed dead, but, like, there's a funeral for him and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, because eventually, obviously, he comes back at the end. And I love how they, they do that. I was, I was so curious how they were going to handle that. Do you think they worked well? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Because I forgot, I honestly forgot. So the way he gets out of it is um, he basically claims amnesia because it's the 90s cop out. Yeah. Uh, and he calls Lana. Because Lana. Lana knows his secret already. Yeah. Uh, and he convinces Lana to go along with it. He's like, oh, yeah, he was sick and not feeling well, so I've been taking care of him. Yeah. And, and, and like they, they set up enough groundwork to get away with it where it's like, he no there's no body recover it's there's like is he dead is he not sort of thing and then eventually when he's he's at that point where he's like i'll just tell the governor who i am mm-hmm. and then lois let slip oh yeah like the eyewitness has like terrible vision and couldn't have seen a damn thing he's like oh maybe i can get out of this eventually yeah and so he does but yeah i love that and i even love when then lois shows up and that, lana, that, that's the point i wrote down yeah. uh lana says he could barely remember his name and Lois retorts, uh, but he remembered your name and apparently your phone oh, number. number. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it is it weird that this show has done more with Lana in one episode and like two random appearances than they've done with Lois over the course of like that is a problem. Thirty. It's it's one of those things where it's like it shows how much further you can go when they already know your secret. Yeah, and. But because that's so much more fun. Yes, but having like, but at the same time, like I feel like in the DCEU, the fact they just skipped that entirely undermined that. I'll 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 rephrase it. It's so much more fun when one person knows the secret. Yeah, that's true. Because I I'm gonna bring it to Danny Phantom, Mm -hmm. uh, where the two best friends know, um, but the parents don't, and that's one of the like the most fun. It's a fun dynamic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, The jokes and the dynamic that comes out of that are is so entertaining. Of uh, Jack and Maddie always trying to find, like, they know there's a ghost in the house, but they can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then Sam and Danny are on the side, and be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, uh, yeah, and then when Jazz figures it out, the sister figures sister, it yeah. out. It's a good show. It's such a good show. It's a great show. Yeah. Oh, God, but no, Butch I, Hartman. You know, I, I, I thought that slightly cop outy in the sense, of like, oh, yeah, I got thrown from the vehicle. I, yeah, couldn't remember that sort of thing. But at least they gave an explanation. Yeah. I did see uh, an interview again with Henry Cavill today, and they someone asked him like, "Are you guys ever going to address the fact how Clark Kent just shows up again in the world and he's not dead, even though it's a funeral?" And his his explanation is basically like, "Well, in all these movies, you have like some level of suspension of disbelief, and so we're don't have the time to really address <laughs> it ever." And like, no, good answer. No, that's the like, Zack Snyder answer we were looking for. Exactly. It's like, no, no, we we suspend the disbelief for the impossible. The impossible, not the impossible or the downright stupid. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the way they did it in the comics wasn't great either. Do you know how they... Uh, he was, like, trapped in, so like, ice? No, no. So they said that Clark was still trapped in the rubble, the rubble after the Doomsday fight. Mm-hmm. And at the time, that version of Supergirl wasn't actually a Kryptonian. She was this weird alien, I think called, like, the Matrix... Or something like that. That was essentially a shapeshifter. Okay. So Supergirl shapeshifted into the appearance of either Superman or Clark, 
and then had one rescue the other from the rubble, and that's like, oh, okay, that's how he's still here. That's fine. Yeah, I accept that. I, mean, I feel of, like Martian Manhunter has done similar things. Yeah, I think in I like how they did it in Superman Doomsday actually, where he was a war correspondent. So they're just kind of like, well, like this, yes, that, that's what I was this, thinking. This of. sort of yeah, thing yeah. happens. So when he comes back, it's like, oh no, he was okay. But like mm-hmm. that that works because then it like put him outside of the city during the fight, so we can kind of get away with that. Yeah. When was the last time you watched Superman Doomsday? It's been a long time. I feel like I might go rewatch it again soon because in my mind it holds up. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious how well it actually does hold up. And I feel like. The shapeshifter cop out is a very common thing. It is because like they've yeah. done it with Batman. I feel like um, Superman's dressed up as Batman a few times to cover. We're Martian gonna, Manhunter is we're always get that exact thing in a few weeks. Actually, we, it's, it's one of my favorite. There's a Brave and the Bold opening mm-hmm. that has that where they're fighting. I want to say Bane, um, and like Bane goes to punch Batman, and Batman like catches it and uh-huh. throws him, and then. Uh, Batman pulls off his mask and it's Superman and then Superman pulls off his face and it's the bat cowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it would be that. Yeah. Did you ever like, play any of the, the Lego Batman games? Uh, I, I think I played the very first one. Okay, because in the second one, that's when they started doing like full-on storylines and actually had voices in it. Mm-hmm. And there is a, a scene in that where like a huge heavy object drops on top of Batman and Superman is hit with kryptonite and you think that they're both dead but then they've like swapped beforehand. Yeah. It's, it's pretty clever actually. Mm-hmm. I, I love those moments. I know. They're so silly. There was, that, sorry, that, that was a point that I wanted to bring up before mm-hmm. about Lois kind of carrying on. I found it very similar to an episode we're going to get to in a few years. Uh, <laughs> when Superman uh, is destroyed. Oh yeah. And Batman. Is, yeah. yeah. Batman's the only one that doesn't believe it. God. And you see him working overtime to like prove it to everyone else. It is. And I feel like that was, oh my God, it it's is. It's so heartbreaking. It is. And I feel like that's like, kind of how Lois was handling yeah. that. It's like Batman has a heart. Yeah. Like if anything, he is more sensitive than other people sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like if he actually loves, he just loves. It. Then uh, on a similar note, it's the, um, I think it's a JLU episode when Wonder Woman is like, is blown up and caught under rubble. And he freaks out. He's like trying to pick off all the small oh, rocks. Oh, he's like digging through yeah. it. Yeah. And she's like, what are you doing? It's like, I, I'm right here. Don't, yeah. What do you think like, you're gonna do that I can't? <laughs> oh, he's such—he's just a softy at heart. I know. Uh, one so one thing that I did think was interesting is that so the villain in this is this, the detective Bowman. Mm-hmm. Who do you remember him from the first Lightner episode? Vaguely. So yeah, he was like one of the red herrings for the episode where oh, someone's trying to kill right. Lois. And I remember we we talked about the fact then that they never resolved that red herring. Like there's that random shot of him like watching Lois like go to bed like mm-hmm. through binoculars i forgot about that and they never bring it back up like they're just like we just kind of assume like oh i guess he was just doing his job that sort of thing but like mm-hmm. i remember him being evil and that's because it was this episode where yeah he i don't even know why he framed there was i i have that in here there was no reasoning yeah i don't think he's just a crooked, there was no motive yeah he's just which a crooked, kind of upset me crooked cop and i it it's a little like I don't know. I guess you have to kind of give them like a little bit of leeway on some of like the mechanics to, to them to do a more interesting story. Mm-hmm. That, at least they got, I think the character dynamics down in this really well. Mm-hmm. Like the Superman Clark dynamic, the Lois Clark dynamic, even with his parents, even with Jimmy, like it's all there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there Lana. was, there was two things that, that kind of made me feel a little uneasy about this mm-hmm. episode. Uh, when they get the evidence and they drive to the governor's house. Well, cause the, well, I mean, I don't know if this is actually how it works, but it's always like the governor can um, issue Overrule a stay it. of execution. Uh, 
Yeah, so like I, I was fine with that. Mm-hmm. What what I didn't understand was the butler comes. He's like, oh yeah, the governor is already going to oversee the execution because you know it's a voting year, it's an election year. I'm like, is that a thing? Are there people that are that like pro uh, death penalty, pro death penalty that they would vote for a governor that goes to watch the I, executions? I guess that would be true, but at the same, I mean, that's a very Texas thing. And I, as is. someone from Texas, that sounds very weird. But you know, and as someone who, <laughs> as a state that named their execution chair as their their shock chair, what? Yeah, it had a name. It, it was, what was the it name? Was, um, Smoke oh. if you got him. No, no, it was like it was like a pet name. Oh, that's fucked up. Oh yeah, it was. Because I remember like when they retired the chair, everyone's like, "Oh no!" Like Betsy's getting retired. It's like a whole national day of. It like, was, I was in like sixth grade, and that was so normal for me. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was like JFK's funeral, the retirement of the execution chair, like the two real somber events. Um, the, one of the issues I had was. When so they old have Sparky, old Sparky. Is it, oh, I wasn't. <laughs> of course, that is not far off. <laughs> oh my god, that's pretty bad. Like when um, Superman realizes he has to get down there to stop it from happening. I had a bit of an issue with him just like breaking right? in and just pulling a guy out of a gas chamber. A gas chamber. One that seems like cruel and unusual punishment, right? Yeah, I don't know how they were doing. Uh, would, could they not have shown lethal injection? Maybe it was that why they didn't. Maybe. Well, I guess. I guess. The advantage here is that he can then take the, the twirly thing and suck the, the poisonous yeah, yeah, gas yeah. up into the atmosphere. But I have a bit of an issue with that because, like, that's one thing about Superman is that he never operates, I mean, like, outside the law. Like, he's a vigilante, but he never, like, he doesn't, well, he's not supposed to. He doesn't kill. Like, he doesn't, he adheres to the law. Yes. And he, was he doing, does his best to. Yeah, he was doing the right thing, but I, I had a bit of an issue with that. Him just like literally busting in there mm-hmm. and breaking up a like official thing. I guess, I guess. I mean, we see how far he'll go to save a life. That's true. Like he was going to give up his identity. Yeah. I feel like that, that was like, he's breaking the law for the better, for the betterment. That's true. Unlike Batman, like, yes, he breaks the law, but it's usually as like a torture technique. Yeah. Okay, th- this is mm, this is real. Nah, this episode's already been long. I had a, a a long moral question to ask in regards to Batman and Superman. Well, maybe we'll do it another time. Well, yeah, it, we'll, it would take we'll a long time. That. But I did think it was interesting the whole like execution thing loops back around at the end with Bowman. That's also like I don't know what the culture was like in the early in the late nineties, but like that's dark. I don't like seeing people on death row. Yeah, it was a really dark ending. Yeah. I mean, and they have that that little moment where he's like, oh my God, like Clark Kent is Superman. Yeah. And then they pull the switch. We don't see whether he actually gets killed or not. I think we can assume he yeah. does. Um, pretty pretty dark, though, for a Very kid's dark. Yeah. show. And even a kid's show that's known for going dark places. Mm-hmm. I feel like, is this the darkest thing we've seen yet in this? At the moment, yes. I feel like it is. I feel like the the darkest and saddest moment is is... When um when Ace dies, in my opinion. Oh, I know. Yeah, that is that. I don't know if I'd call that dark though. I that's just sad. It is really sad, but I mean it's handled so beautifully well though. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, overall, one of the two saddest moments. What's the other? The ending of um, the Superman birthday episode. Oh, I yeah. know. Oh. Hey, we have feelings. <sighs> I don't. I don't like having feelings. <laughs> no, that's why I shut them off. Um. But overall, I think this is one of the better episodes we've had in a while, actually. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then, um, what did you think of our Batman episode? 
this week. Or do you have um, anyone else to say on Superman? No, I'm good. Okay, yeah. we, we're running all really late. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I, I'll, I'll cut out some stuff. Um, I liked it. I mean, I loved the Trail Quest. Yeah. Whenever we, we had it, because we had them twice in uh, BTOS. Yeah, I, um, I looked it up because I, I remember there being a similar plot to this, but it was in The Batman. There's oh, okay. an episode where Arnold goes like clean he goes legit what's what's i feel like i'm missing the right word there um straight yeah sane sane whatever yeah and he like becomes like a a puppeteer on a kid's show Mm -hmm. but then like the it's like mr snoodles or something like that Mm -hmm. like the the puppet that he makes for the kids show and the venture like and scarface like duke it out mr snoots they like duke it out okay but that that one's actually pretty dark because he's cleared as sane and then it's actually hugo strange who oh. plants? He's the one who like plants that, the doll. That's a that sounds great. Yeah, so it's it's actually very plot wise. It's very similar to this. Um, it's actually almost the exact same thing. That's why I was a little thrown. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we we had two episodes. I think of with him, like major episodes um, in Btos before. What what did you think of the new design? I, I did bring up a photo of the. I had a photo up of the old one, in case you forgot what he looked like. Uh, I vaguely remember. Uh, Scarface and the old one. I feel like this one doesn't look as menacing. I think the Scarface looks more menacing now. I think I prefer the old uh, Wexler. Wexler? What? What? Arnold? Yeah, Arnold Vosloo. No. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I do like the the glasses Wesker. that just like hide it. Yeah, they just hide his face. Yeah. But I think yeah, I think I like old ventriloquist and new Scarface. Okay. Uh, I will. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Um. Because the new Scarface looks more like the movie Scarface. Yeah, exactly. He's got that. He's got a nice, nice suit going. On. Oh yeah, I like. I like his suit. I I do love um, when so Ar- uh, the plot of the episode is Arnold is deemed sane, mm-hmm. even Just, though he doesn't feel it. Yeah. Uh, and then as the episode progresses, you find out that he's he still holds Scarface somewhere in his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he finally pulls the puppet back out. Uh, the puppet throws like two things. He like throws dynamite at Batman, and then he, uh, like, uh, he throws something at the goons at the very end. Oh yeah! And just the small detail of the animators like moving Arnold's hand to move the ventriloquist limb yeah. was so adorable to me for it's, some reason. Especially it's like pushing the button on the dynamite. Yeah, like set the timer. It's like oh my god, I love they went to like that detail. It's so adorable. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> Like it's one of those things where it's supposed to be so menacing, but it's so cute. It's just it's just adorable. But I, you know, I like. There's a lot of things I like about how this episode plays out. I like that we've had this like redemptive arc a lot with a lot of the villains. This mm-hmm. is the first like you can you can almost kind of feel like this was an episode they had like maybe in the, like sitting around with Btos, they got a chance to do when it came back around. Yeah. But what I like here is that this is the first time where Bruce slash Batman is really committed to helping this guy. And you also see that he owns the halfway house. It's yeah. the Wayne Gardens yeah. halfway house. He, he owns the halfway house where Arnold is staying. He gives him a job at Wayne Enterprises. He goes up and like greets him in person. Because mm-hmm. he's one of those villains where, like, yes, there are villains that, that are kind of crazy and they do have mental problems. But this is one that it's like he is not in control of yeah, his problem. Yeah, he's full on. I think schizophrenia is. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be accurate in this case. Yeah. Uh, and so Batman knows, like, he doesn't deserve to be treated like like Harley or, mm-hmm. or Poison Ivy. And I, I even like or the... Two, or like Two-Face, because I feel like Two-Face is the darker version of Ventriloquist. Yeah, like the more literal version Yeah, in a lot of ways. And I, what I like about this is not only does Bruce go out of his way to help him, but when Arnold starts to slip and when he goes back to being 
a criminal again, Batman and Bruce still defend him and mm-hmm. still try and save him. Absolutely. You know, in comparison to other times where we've seen him like, well, I gave you a shot and you fucked it up or like with Poison Ivy where he didn't believe her mm-hmm. at all. Here he's like still actively helping him. Yeah. Because you, know, yeah, you see the goons come after him. Yeah. And he beats up the goons. He's like, Arnold is off limits. Yeah. You don't go near him anymore. I, I also love, uh, what would you call that punch he does? It's like when like the guy's running up behind oh, him and the, he just stands still. I, I don't like the What ca- they do three times? Ca- twice. Twice, right. Yeah, the casual, I call it the casual punch. I don't know what you call it, but like. Uh, yeah, the casual smack, I think. Yeah, he just, someone's running up behind him. He just stands still. He doesn't look. He just holds his hand up and hits him. I love that mm-hmm. they did it once and they brought it back around again. Yeah. It's like, it's a little moment. It's a little like cheesy, well, it's, but it works. It's, that's one of those jokes that like every kid, no matter the generation, that kid will laugh I, at that I, joke. I, I, I laughed. Oh yeah. I laughed really hard at that's it. That's great. Actually, <laughs> even they did it a second time. Mm-hmm. But there, so one, one thing that you even commented, cause I got here early enough for you to like be watching the end of the episode. So oh, I got, don't, I, don't, I, don't ruin my, no, my no, secrets, no, no, Chris. I got don't, to see this in don't real, let them know that you watched the episodes immediately before recording this. But I got to see this in real time when you're like, oh, so when like the landlord at the halfway house is like a little person and you point out like at some point later on as uh, Arnold's being t- like terrorized by Scarface, there's someone actually running around as him in like the puppet suit. It's like, okay, this has to be a little person. It's probably the it's landlord. Pro- yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's just <laughs> there's, there's another... some other random guy. Yeah. And I was really thrown off by that because, like, it, it, what, why? I don't know. It's not even really a red herring. It's, it's, I guess no. it's like, it's a slight I think they diversion. Just, maybe they just didn't want to have one little person in the, in the show. I guess. Um, yeah, I also, I also brought up the point of, like, that is one of the, like, one of the treatments for Arnold is he's just not allowed to be around anyone shorter <laughs> yeah. than four foot eleven. It's probably for the best. He, a little he bit might go into relapse. But so I forget who who did all this in the first place. Was the the henchmen themselves? The, they <clears throat> they planned all of it, right? The henchmen set up Scarface's return, and then at the end we learned that Scarface had always been there, and he was just waiting for kind of the heat to die down. Okay, that's and right. And he, he turned against the goons because they sped up his plans. For he s- said the muscle's, now, the muscle's not supposed to think. Yeah. Because I think for some reason I, I seem to have recalled a situation where like Arnold wrote those letters to himself as Scarface and planted them, but that's not what this plot line is. I don't think it's the plot of the Batman either, so I'm not sure where I'm getting that from. Uh, I don't know. That, that would make more sense of like while he's asleep... He'd yeah, like, he maybe would, that's in the comics. I, I no, I I feel like I've I've had that I've seen that story before too. Oh, you know what? I think I know where I think I know what I'm thinking of, and well, it's not Ventriloquist is a different villain, and we'll get to it at the end of okay. the run of the new Batman Adventures. I think it's what I'm thinking of. Okay, it doesn't matter. Um, but oh, did you uh, little detail? Did you catch the cameo from Lois and Clark? I did. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up. Yeah. Did you catch it or did you read it and then catch it? I read it then caught it. Oh, yeah. Well, it, the, the thing popped up before the scene had started. Oh, oh that's so right. Because when you watch on your computer, those little things pop up. Yeah. See, I watch it on um, originally my Xbox, but now, thank God, on my Apple TV. <laughs> thank God. Um, I fucking hate that thing <clears throat> so much. Uh, let's bring up, we brought it up before, how DC loves to just brutally destroy any non-human villain. So... 
I actually have a note about this. Do you? Because I guess uh, in an interview, Bruce Tim said that the Fox Kids censored allowed them to constantly destroy Scarface because he wasn't deemed as a living character. Mm-hmm. So he was the only character the production staff was allowed to like vent like their just, darkness just, <laughs> onto. So that's why like every time he's in an episode, he gets like he gets like shot, he gets burned, he gets decapitated, he gets like chopped up in a fan. Yeah, and this one you see him Scarface, not Scarface, ventriloquist unloads a full round on him. And you see him fall, and I, you you heard me go, oh wow, yeah. And then he falls into a fan and gets chopped the <laughs> and fuck is, up. Yeah, it's destroyed even more. Yeah, I'm like Jesus, because I I brought it up before. They also do this a lot with Red Tornado. Oh, that's right. In, yeah, because he's young an android, Justice, so we can yeah. do whatever we want to him. Uh, yeah, and the Young Justice episode centered around him. You see him get all of his limbs just torn off. Yeah, and he's just kind of a, a head oh, at the they, end of it. They did it in Justice League too, right? Yeah, like, oh, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They tore apart Cyborg. Mm-hmm. But it's fine. He'll piece himself back together. It's not a big deal. No. I feel like Teen Titans must have done that with Cyborg a little bit too, right? Um, not as... M- no, because they, they played up the human side of Cyborg. That's true. He's more organic in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there, there's two episodes that are based around that. There's yeah. um, Only Human, uh, which is a great episode where he's like trying to go back to his sports side. Yeah. Um, and then there's um, the one where he, like, some of the parts. He infiltrates Hive. Right, and so oh he, yes, and he's Oliver Stone. No, no, he's Victor Victor Stone. Stone. Who's oh, Oliver Stone? He's a writer director. No, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> he infiltrates it as a writer director. He, he infiltrates <laughs> Hollywood and uh, directs Wall Street. Yes, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a movie of his. I don't know why that's the name that popped up. Uh, I don't know. Victor like, Stone, Wall Street, JFK. No, nope. um, I don't know. <laughs> oh, for two. There, there's more. Uh, Victor Stone. I think that was him. Okay, no. Yeah. Um, Victor Stone, thank you. Yeah, he goes in as Victor Stone. Um, no, the one that I was thinking of is uh, some of his parts is like episode four, where his battery runs out. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he ends up in kind of like the island of lost toys of all of these robots uh, that are trying to make him more robotic. Didn't Futurama do an episode like that, too? Uh, Didn't, wasn't it like, isn't that when Bender becomes made, like becomes a wooden Bender? Oh, that's the reverse of it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> when, when he goes to the island. Um, but I, I just remember, like, the very... There's a there's a scene that, like, was very scary as a kid where you see Cyborg kind of locked in place and they're putting this... Because, you know, half his face is robotic. Yeah. They're putting the second half of the robotic face over his human half. Oh, God. And it's uh, the first person's perspective of the mask coming down Ooh. into commercial. Oh, that's And I remember, that's like, intense. seeing that in, at, in 2003. Like, I'm like, oh, shit. Or 2006. Probably 2006. Um, great episodes. Yeah. But, yeah, back to yeah. the story. They what? love to just destroy Ventriloquist. They, they or, do. Uh, Scarface. But, you know, I will say that in, at least in this particular episode, in doing so, they actually end up giving Arnold a happy ending. They do, which is nice. Because I looked it up, and he makes two other more cameo appearances. One is in the um, the Justice Lords episode. He's like in the background of the, the lobotomized Arkham. Okay. And then I guess we just, we see Scarface the puppet um, in like the cave in Batman Beyond and I think in a Justice League episode as well. But he actually, like he's, I think the one villain who actually gets like a happy ending here. That's amazing. Yeah, it's like he never comes back. Like he, he's rid of Scarface at this point. And I remember... It's a, it's a, that is Batman's first and I think only victory. Only victory, right? I, I think we may have mentioned this in the Superman episode Father's Day with Calabac, where there's mm-hmm. like a Mater D that's voiced by the same like the same voice actor and kind of looks like Arnold, but he looks like the original Arnold, not the the new one. 
I went and actually looked up a photo of it because I was like, like, is it? Because there was like this idea, like, oh, is it supposed to be like proof that the ventriloquist gets a happy life? Oh, okay. So it's it's more like the original look of him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we it's kind of like right in between the yeah, two. Yeah, so we can run with this theory that after this he moves off to Metropolis and he becomes a maitre d' at a really fancy restaurant and lives a nice happy life. That sounds great. I know. Good for you, Arnold. I know. You, so you proud finally of you. got one. Yeah. You did it, buddy. You did it, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> after all these years, you got one. Yeah, that's all he needed was one. Yep. So, yeah, but it was it was fun. Mm-hmm. I actually quite liked both of these. Me too. I I, I, I mean, I always love Ventriloquist episodes. Yeah. I didn't come out of this going like, oh, fuck, we have to try and talk about this for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other thoughts or should we... Uh, uh, let's wrap this baby up. Mosey our way onto bat plugs. What do you got to plug this week? Uh, not much. I've been watching a lot of shit and it's not worth plugging. Okay. That's fair. That saves me a lot of time and effort. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, the one thing I do want to plug is a few, I meant to plug this a few weeks ago. Um, uh, do you, do you watch rocket jump on YouTube? Have you ever seen? I think you've sent me some stuff. Okay. They make amazing it. videos. They've been making amazing content for over 10 years now on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did kind of different from their normal stuff. They did a, a very interesting video essay uh, called How Star Wars Was Saved in the Edit. Ooh. And it's about kind of the editing process that went into making Star Wars the hit that it was. Mm-hmm. And it starts off talking about um, the first showing that George Lucas showed to like Spielberg and a handful of other directors and how it was just garbage. Yeah. Um, and how those people kind of took the footage and kind of picked up all the all the scraps around the editing uh, on the editing floor and made Star Wars the movie that it is mm-hmm. and giving a lot of credit to the person that like no one ever talks about who is George Lucas's wife was the main editor and she won the Oscar oh, did, that year right. for editing yeah she did yeah mm-hmm. uh, and it's just a great it's like a 20 minute oh, uh, mini cool. mini doc about it and it's great they go it, it's it's really fascinating yeah I mean, it's kind of a big, just like, fuck you, George Lucas kind well, of thing, but it's, it's also really it, it's, great. It's further proof that even way back in the very first Star Wars movie, that Star Wars is kind of better when it's not in George Lucas's <laughs> hands. Yeah. Um, and then they also go into a lot of why, that's why George keeps re- remaking the movies, mm-hmm. is because that was his original vision, and he's like still a little bitter with the editing team for oh, I'm sure, cutting yeah. out a lot of the stuff that he I, wanted. I think he is a really great writer ah that's not even fair to say that's not true he mm-hmm. he's very creative there you he, go <laughs> create he created an incredible world he's got a great personality but i don't think he's necessarily that great of a filmmaker i agree with that because generally the better star wars stuff has been stuff that he's been less involved in mm-hmm. generally so yeah ish, ish. yeah um yeah Cool though. I'll, I'll actually, I'll go watch that. That's yeah. really interesting. Uh, and then Vox, another YouTube video. I think I brought this up to you already. Uh, Vox did a really fun video about uh, why the Star Wars Christmas special oh God. is as bad as it is. Have you ever watched it? I've not. I've seen parts of it. I've never watched it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really interesting, and they talk about how, like, it's hard to think now that Star Wars wasn't always this giant universe, how everything is connected. Mm-hmm. And when the special came out, it was just, and also that Star Wars was supposed to be a flop. Like no one expected it to be a hit in, yeah. the, in the 70s. Um, the the reason the movie or the, the special was out was to, the same reason we have 
filler movies every other year. It was to keep kids interested and keep toy sales up the Christmas of 78. Yeah. Uh, in between episode uh, four and five. Mm-hmm. And how, like, it was completely out of, like, George, I don't think George Lucas had anything to do with it. Uh, they they show, like, snippets of interviews with uh, Carrie Fisher and, and Harrison Ford and how they just, like, I can't talk about it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Carrie's like, like, I've forgotten so much about that. Why would you want to like, at that point? <laughs> right. Yeah. And Harris, I think Harrison was on Kimmel and Kimmel's like, well, we have a short. And he's like, if you play that short, <laughs> I am walking off the stage. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun, like six minute video. This okay. is really cute. Oh, I will also mm-hmm. go check that out. Yes. What, what have you been watching? Listening, uh, reading to? I, I've been finally taking full advantage of that movie pass. After, after having it for like two months, I finally went. So I, I've seen a whole bunch of stuff. I'm not going to plug all of it. Um, cause I think some of it's better than others. Actually, the funny thing is I think that, one of the things I'm going to plug is something that I didn't even use in MoviePass. It was on Netflix. You must have seen it when it came out, The uh, Adventures of Tintin. Oh, yes. It's great. So I, I rewatched it because I was like, was it, was it actually really good? And like, as I was rewatching it, I feel like it suffers a little bit in the same way that Speed Racer does, where at times it gets a little too childish mm-hmm. in its tone. But my God, can Steven Spielberg construct an action sequence? Yeah. Like... Because the one that always sticks out in my mind, I think most people's minds, is the 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 oneer as they're like going the the chase of the falcons. Like at one point, a falcon's got like three pieces of paper and is trying to get away from Tintin and um, Captain Haddock, and it's all done in this one continuous shot as they're like they're jumping like through buildings and tanks and like it's, it's impossible to describe without just watching. It's fucking incredible. Yeah. But what's amazing is that he always sets it up so that there's like a, there is a lot of possible outcomes in that thing. Right. So it's not only that like they're chasing after like a, a creature, but that creature has three pieces of paper. So they have to get all of them, mm-hmm. mind you. So there's a whole bunch of different outcomes come along. And there's even another sequence where it's like a flashback of like two pirates fighting. And there's that brilliant point where one of them trying to blow up the ship. So he's lit a, a string of gunpowder and so as they're fighting, one is trying to snuff out the gunpowder and one's trying to reignite it. Hmm. You're like, holy shit, like this could just be, in most people's hands, this would just be a sword fight. But like Spielberg has found a way to also put another level of like detail into it and make it the fight about something that's not just the fight. No one knows how to do that like him. Right. It's fucking incredible. Like I, I think overall the film is kind of meh. I would have liked to see them do more. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's worth a watch even for just the level of detail he uses to construct his action sequences. I think those are some of the best he's ever done because that medium gave him the freedom to do whatever he could possibly do with it. Mm-hmm. Does watching that get you more excited for Ready Player One? Um, I didn't even think about that, actually. But yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. Because it's a, the similar sort of thing, right? I mean, it's all a computer-created world. It's all done with motion capture. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to see how that car chase plays out. Yeah. I think that in particular looks really amazing. I'm, I'm so... I had a really great talk at uh, my office Christmas party last night. Mm-hmm. had a really great talk with, with, with a couple people there about that movie. Um, I'm very excited for it. Yeah. And I, I, I need to rewatch Tintin because I also haven't it's, seen it since it came out. Yeah. It, it's, and I don't, think I, was, I don't think I appreciated it. It's fun. As, I, I think what it was back then. I think it's a little unappreciated, mm-hmm. but it's pretty solid. I think actually I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and, and plug that. So okay, and it's worth mentioning. You and I have both seen the Last Jedi, but we're not going to talk about it at all here. We're nope. only going to talk about it on our crossover podcast, which we're recording in a few days, and hopefully we'll be out within the end of the week when this comes out. Yes. So, but until then, I think we're done. We did it finally. <laughs> 
Um, so if you want to reach out to us, ask us questions or like, I don't know, maybe you've been watching along too and want to offer your thoughts about some of these shows. They're even more accessible now, guys, that they're all on uh, Apple TV. What do you guys think about the Disney Fox thing? Oh, that, yeah, I would love to hear that actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think we have a, I'm not gonna say a different perspective, but like we're both industry slash industry adjacent. So I think we have, yeah. As someone who is, is under under the, the, the life of the mouse. Under, this is true, yeah. Under, under the banner of house mouse. Under that big white thumb. Yes. Um, yeah, I would be very curious what you guys think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like write in and tell us. But we're at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am at Lordifer on Instagram and Twitter. I, I barely ever post anything. My life's pretty boring. You've been posting your Legos. That's true, yeah. Um, the nice Lego advent calendar. My brother's girlfriend, Tiffany. Hi, Tiffany. You don't listen. Why am I saying hi? Wes, say hi to Tiffany for me. Uh, yeah, she got Wes and I each a uh, Lego Star Wars Advent calendar. Oh, like there's some, finally some good stuff. Like this last week, like the Millennium Falcon is one of the most recent ones. Like thank God, because some <laughs> of them are were real duds. There's one character I still don't know who it is. Like he's just in a generic like rebel uniform. I can't even tell if it's Rogue One or Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. No idea who that is. One of them was literally a box of crap. <laughs> it was a wooden box with a, like a wrench and a blaster. Perfect. Thank God they finally gave us some cool shit with like the little mini Million Falcon. It's awesome. But yeah, I've been posting that. That's about it. So. That's awesome. Yeah. And where are you, Cameron? Uh, you can find me at camdexter underscore adventures. Uh, and I'll plug my art one when I make some more art. Yeah. Get all that at some point. Yes. Yeah. Where can we find uh, this? I already said that. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, find us there then, and we'll see you guys later. Yeah. No, it. probably not, but I'll, we'll talk to someone. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just shout into the void. Yep. See you later. Thanks. Bye. Hey, listen to Sequel Squeal, the podcast where we watch a movie and all its sequels. Right, Benny? Yes, you are correct, Chad Foglin. Right here on the Nerdist School Network. Yay, us. Yeah, we're done. That was good. (laughs) The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit NerdistSchool.com.